faithwire.com. Well, hello and welcome to 4 and 3, a podcast breaking down four of the most important stories of the day and three things you need to know about them all from a Christian perspective. Want to welcome in regular listeners to the CBN News Daily Rundown. We've joined forces with them and we'll be with you all every Wednesday. That's the 4 and 3 podcast that will be featured on the Daily Rundown. Glad you're here. Today's Wednesday, June 16th, 2021. And coming up on the podcast today, the SBC has a new president. A North Korean defector uh, says that U.S. college indoctrination is worse than in North Korea. Hamas is recruiting children warriors and Candace Cameron Bure's one dating requirement for her daughter. It is uh, It's one that Christians are going to want to hear. So uh, we'll have all those stories and more coming up. I am Dan Andros, Managing Editor of FaithWire.com, uh, and uh, we are going to jump right into story uh, number one, and that is the vote for the new president of the Southern Baptist Convention. That took place last night, the first round seeing no candidate reaching the 50% threshold, uh, and uh, that led to a runoff vote between Alabama Pastor Ed Litton and Georgia Pastor Mike Stone. Stone had initially received the highest vote total, but then lost in the runoff. And uh, the Southern Baptist Convention, of course, the largest Protestant group of uh, churches uh, in America. And so uh, we're going to talk to Heather Sells from CBN, uh, who has been reporting on this story. Heather, thanks for being here. And uh, why don't you just give us a little bit of the overall a big takeaways from what's going on at the SBC so far. Right. Well, and I would preface it by saying that, you know, as Ed Stetzer uh, at Wheaton College's Billy Graham Center has noted, there's always controversy, right, at uh, Southern Baptist meetings. So that part's not new. But the stakes right now, uh, I would argue, and I think a lot of people would, are higher than ever. And really, in many respects, you have people around the world watching what is going on because there's so many, uh, so much polarization in our culture period right now. And that's seeping into uh, the Southern Baptist world. And it's the largest Protestant denomination in the country. So all those factors make for a lot of interest in what is happening in Nashville this week. You layer onto that uh, historic attendance, 15,000 people. They haven't seen attendance like that in decades. Uh, And you know there's a lot of interest in what's happening with this denomination and rightfully a lot of concern because membership has been declining for the last 10 years. So, of course, uh, leadership is wondering what to do. Uh, As far as the big takeaways this week, we saw the selection of a new president for the first time in three years. Now, the president is more of a bully pulpit in the Southern Baptist world. Uh, Nevertheless, it's significant because there was a hot race among four candidates uh, for this election. Uh, Two of them were more uh, what you might call very conservative. Uh, There's been a lot of labels attached to them. But this is the uh, we had Mike Stone with the Conservative Baptist Network who was saying, hey, look, Uh, We really just need to focus on the gospel. We don't need to focus so much on uh, sexual abuse or racial reconciliation. And the ultimate winner, uh, Pastor Ed Litton from Alabama, was saying, look, we really need to to do some uh, heavy lifting on the issues of racial reconciliation and sexual abuse. We can't sweep these things under the rug. Uh, So he was elected and, you know, 
all the different factions, if you will, within the Southern Baptist world are responding uh, to his election. And I will note also that, uh, that you had the head of the executive uh, committee, Southern Baptist leader, Roland Slade, who said he is concerned um, about churches leaving um, in the wake of Lytton's uh, being selected as president. I, I think you would have had that worry, whoever was selected, because there are definite factions in the Southern Baptist world right now. Yeah, I was going to say, it seems to be very, very split. As you mentioned, it almost, almost has like political tones. And I feel like the media is sort of playing into that, saying left, right, left, right. I saw CNN's article. Um, and I think they kind of want us to feed in that. But as Christians, of course, we have a little bit different of a view. Politics may be playing a role in there, but um, I mean, at least I hope that they're focused more on how they're attacking these things um, biblically. But what were some of those reactions uh, uh, to Ed Litton being, uh, being, I saw Beth Moore, you know, kind of unsurprisingly, I guess, given some of her, um, you know, uh, comments about the sexual abuse problems within the SBC, the way they've handled some of these situations that people have complained about. Uh, she praised this, uh, this vote. So what have you seen uh, from the reaction so far? Well, uh, to their credit, the, the candidates who lost, Al Mohler, Mike Stone, um, in particular, were gracious um, in their loss and applauding Lytton. Uh, and I'm not sure about the other uh, one, Randy Adams. I'm going to guess he was as well. Uh, but there is this issue of who are Southern Baptists. And it's, it was very telling. Uh, yesterday, the outgoing president, J.D. Greer, uh, called this a defining moment. And he said, we really need to figure out who we are, what brings us together. Um, he said, are we primarily a cultural and political affinity group or do we see our primary calling as being a gospel witness for all people in all places at all times? And so he's really calling for the combination of diversity plus unity. He's saying we need to pull everyone together and then do the hard work of unity. And that's not always easy when you have people from different backgrounds. Mm. But people like him are really arguing uh, not to sweep politics under the rug, but to make sure that uh everyone is really focused on the gospel primarily and arguing that that in turn will inform political uh, decisions and and opinions. But uh, I don't know in terms of different factions within the SBC world right now, I, I think there's a lot of sorting out going on at Nashville today and saying, can we really rally together around Ed Litton or, um, you know, what what's going to happen going forward? And there's been some signals from the Conservative Baptist Network that we'll be back. So, you know, you wonder um, how much of a fight this is going to continue to be going on. Yeah, and I know uh, lastly here before we run, I know two of the big issues uh, we touched on briefly, the, the, the sex abuse uh, kind of issues and how they handled that. There's some, a lot of disagreement there. Um, and uh, the other one is the critical race theory and how uh, they address that this time around, kind of not directly so far yet. And I, I know there's still time there. They still have got some activities going on. So. What can you say about those two issues that have, that you've seen so far, and and is and what is left ahead uh, before the uh, convention here wraps up? All right. Well, as we speak today, Wednesday, uh, there is a floor debate on a proposed investigation into the denomination's handling of sexual abuse, and. Uh, the big debate has been around, in particular, the denomination's executive committee, which is very powerful, and uh, how much did they or did they at all uh, cover up, uh, push back on abuse survivors, on claims of abuse. 
Um, there's been some allegations by some high-profile Southern Baptist leaders that they did do that indeed. So now there's a big fight over uh, is there going to be a third party that's going to investigate the executive committee and who's going to control who that third party is? The executive committee has said, oh, we'll pick them. <laughs> and other people have said, oh, no, you won't because they're going to investigate you. We're going to have the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. Uh, Dr. Russell Moore's uh, old group uh, lead, you know, the choice on the third party. So that is... That's in process as we speak, um, being decided the scope of that investigation. Uh, with respect to critical race theory uh, and the, the whole race issue, uh, I think it's, you know, it's really fascinating to watch Southern Baptists debating it just like the rest of the world. I think uh, there is concern that, that the conversation perhaps not be uh, focused on critical race theory, but just racial reconciliation in you know, more specifically, uh, I, I think a lot of people can get distracted, you know, just debating the merits of this theory. Uh, but I can tell you that yesterday the delegates approved a consensus measure uh, that did not mention critical race theory, but uh, rejected any view that sees racism as rooted in anything other than sin. And that traditionally has been the debate in Baptist circles. Uh, some people just want to talk about racism as a sin issue. Others want to talk about it more systemically. Uh, and there's a lot of African-American pastors and constituents in the Southern Baptist world that are watching this very closely, a number that have already left. Uh, we know that a lot of church plants are indeed very diverse, and so this is an issue that the denomination is going to have to continue to address and address well. All right, yeah, certainly a lot to be watching, and we'll continue to keep an eye on uh, uh, your reports as they come in, and, uh, and we'll check out the ones, encourage everybody to check out the ones you've already got up over on cbnnews.com. Heather Sells, thanks for being here. You're welcome, Dan. All right, so that is Heather Sells from CBN. Uh, and uh, again, the media, as uh, we talked about there, has definitely tried to paint this into a left-right battle. They're very interested in it. And I think that's the why it matters portion uh, of this. Uh, for me, is that you see the way the media is trying to spin this division, and they're really trying to make it political and um, kind of divide us into sort of political, um, you know, sort of our political camps. And so um, uh, that is something as Christians that we've got to sort of fight back against um, because hopefully politics plays very little role in what the SBC does, as Heather sort of mentioned, you know, trying to attack these things biblically and, and from a gospel perspective uh, and not let politics divide. Um, but we'll see what happens. Uh, it's going to be an interesting, uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, run here for for the SBC as they go through all these changes. And so, of course, it impacts a lot of Christians. So uh, be praying uh, on that front uh, uh, for uh, for them. So let's, uh, let's with that, head into uh, story number two. And uh, this is a North Korean defector. And uh, man, she had some, some powerful words. She escaped from her, her country uh, at the age of 13 back in 2007 and um, had some strong words about what she saw here when she finally got to America and went to and went to university. So um, she had transferred her school credits when she was in South Korea. She she escaped up in China, made it down to South Korea, was there for a while, um, and she saved up her money so she can come to America and go to college here. She gets to Columbia University in the Ivy League, and now she's speaking out 
about the shocking level of indoctrination at American universities. She says it's as bad, if not worse, than the propaganda and indoctrination in North Korea. I mean, that is saying something. Um, Yeon Mi Park, you may have seen her story. She had a viral TED Talk a few years ago. She said that in North Korea, she literally believed that my dear leader, Kim Jong-un, was starving. And she said it, 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 he was the fattest guy, quote unquote. How could anyone believe that? Uh, and so then she said someone showed uh, her a photo and said, look at him. He's the fattest guy. Other people are all thin. And she was like, I was like, oh, my gosh, why did I not notice that, uh, that he was overweight? And she said, it's because I never learned how to think critically. And she said, that's what's happening in America. People see things, but they've just lost the ability to think critically. Uh, she said that she was expecting to pay all this money for college uh, and to learn how to think. But she says they're forcing you to think the way they want you to think. Now, this is someone who would know she's from North Korea. Um, and so she added that the anti-Western sentiment was also very similar uh, and that they're suffocating political correctness. Um, she said that she was told that liking classic books, that says Jane Austen, was supporting a, quote, colonial mindset, and that they were all, those authors and those books were all racists and bigots who were, quote, subconsciously brainwashing you. Uh, and so she just said that at, the longer she was at the school, uh, the anti-American propaganda was so commonplace, it reminded her of the communist indoctrination she'd been taught growing up. Uh, and then she called the gender um, political correctness, everything surrounding that, she called that total chaos... And it feels like the regression in civilization. Summing it all up, she said, even in North Korea, it, or even North Korea is not this nuts. North Korea was pretty crazy, but not this crazy. So uh, this, this one isn't really a left-right issue per se, um, but her story is incredible. And I would encourage you to head on over to uh, Faithwire and uh, CBN and check out uh, her story. We've got um, a video from her from her TED talk, and also from her most recent interviews, where she's talking about this indoctrination. and uh, And also, too, let's let's be praying for the people of North Korea. I think that's another reason this story matters. Um, you know, it's it kind of boggles the mind when you look at what's happening in North Korea. You essentially have a whole population here that's brainwashed and indoctrinated to levels that are just beyond uh, any sane, reasonable standard of 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 uh, human rights that should qualify as a human rights abuse. And yet, you know, we don't really seem to care um, or seem to even try to do anything about it. And yet we're a country here that's promoting social justice and human rights and all of these things. And, and at the same time, you have a whole country in North Korea where you think the world could band together and do something about that. So, um, but, uh, and of course those situations are complicated, but let's pray that uh, something comes around that can uh, sort of, give some hope and some other than just fleeing to China um, for, for people that live uh, in North Korea. But, but powerful story there um, uh, from, uh, from that one defector. So let's let us head into story number three. And this one uh, comes uh, as another disturbing uh, video here uh, shows the terrorist wing of Hamas announcing that it's registering Palestinians at the United Nations Relief and Works Agency, UNRWA, and elsewhere for summer camp this week. 
So this video that uh, people can see on social here where we're, we're live streaming the, the recording of this podcast uh, shows this video. And the disturbing thing about it, as you'll see, is the, the young age of some of the kids in this video. Look at there. These kids holding the, the rifles. And it's just uh, it just gets worse from there. It's very, very disturbing. And so uh, the video was uncovered by the Center for Near East Policy Research. And it highlights, quote, the pioneers of return, as the video says. Uh, for the summer camps and um, uh, the boys and young men are shown in intensive military training marching with guns jumping through rings of fire crawling out of a hole in the ground armed with automatic weapons um, and the video says registration for the camps will be held at your nearest mosque and uh, as well as registration points in public places between the afternoon prayers and the evening prayers uh, it's a very interesting uh demographic targeting there uh they offer four age groups for these camps primary school high school college students and adults and says that the high school uh camp will start after they have exams so they've even gone that far to think out that um i mean i don't know why they want them to get an education if they're just going to send them off to fight um and do terror attacks but the song in the video proclaims even that that i will return to my land I will return to Lod, and Lod is a mixed Arab-Jewish city in Israel next to Israel's main international uh, airport. And uh, David Bedin, uh, the director for the Center for Near East Policy Research, said that um, uh, that they're including recruiting and registering UNRWA children in Gaza uh, for this video. And so he said, how can the United Nations school allow their students to register for a program designed to kill people? It's a good question. Uh, the UN school is allowing people to register for military training as child soldiers, he told CBN News. Uh, the Biden administration uh, said, at, while this is going on and this is being uncovered, they said they're going to restore $32 million in funding to the UNRWA that former President Trump dropped due to things like this, where going to supporting terrorism and, and child soldiers. Um, and so, uh, Bedin has long argued that the curriculum in the UNRWA, uh, promotes terrorism and advocates getting rid of Israel and that those facilities are used to indoctrinate and train Palestinian children for terrorism. So, uh, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said last week that the U.S. would condition its renewal of the UNRWA funding on its, uh, reform and uh, of educational materials and in disseminating anti-semitic or anti-israel information like erasing israel from the map and praising terrorism and martyrdom uh and then you see this video here and it's kind of like it doesn't look like that's that it doesn't look like that's happening or gonna happen and so why does this story matter well i mean i think the obvious uh you know you look at israel and people wonder how the conflict and the, the hate that's constantly directed at israel can continue to linger on there for years and years and years. And, and it's because this hate in, in the, is clearly taught. Uh, and the imagery here of children training like military soldiers is just beyond disturbing and highlights the fact that Ham Hamas just doesn't care about people. Um, you know, who, I mean, who would be willing to turn children into little war machines? You, you got to be a special kind of evil uh, to want to do that. And that's what Israel, that's the kind of thing Israel's been dealing with here and they continue to deal with. So pray for Israel. More importantly, pray for these children that are subjected to this stuff. And, um, you know, heaven forbid their parents sending off, sending them off to this stuff. Uh, it's just sick and twisted stuff. And, um, and, uh, we've, we just got to be praying for, for all the kids involved, 
uh, in that because very, very disturbing and um, just perpetuating a cycle of hate uh, over there in the Middle East. So on a lighter note, uh, we are going to head into our last story, uh, story number four. Uh, and this one is some advice that Candace Cameron uh, had for her uh, children when it comes to dating. Now, normally we're not uh, big dating advice, uh, <laughs> a, a big dating advice website, but uh, this Fuller House star and the sister of Kirk Cameron recently spoke out. And I think it's worth sharing. A, I think all Christians will be interested in this and probably I would hope agree with it because um, she, she has kids eight, raged, uh, age age range from yeah I can talk from 22 to 19 and so they're um, obviously well within a dating range there and so she was asked in a recent interview uh, about what kind of advice uh, she would give uh, to her kids and um, here's what she said I just want them to love Jesus <laughs> the way I love Jesus okay that's all I really want is that too much to ask for what advice do you give to them when they're looking for the one or their life partner I want my children to find people that are like-minded meaning their values and morals and and faith are all the same mm -hmm. and they complement one another and and really a, a spouse that is going to challenge them in the best of ways, meaning bring out the best in them and challenge to, to rise above and be better and better, mm -hmm. not in performance, but the best version of themselves. So there you have it, Candace Cameron Bure with some good advice there. Um, and it's interesting too, a couple things that I noticed the media, I, I, maybe this is just me just being cynical on the media, but they all said Candace Cameron's requirement for her 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 children when it comes to dating and of course they're in their 20s so um it's not like they're you know 14 or something um it made it sound like she's this overbearing parent that has these requirements so um i thought it if you listen to the tone of what she's saying there clearly she's just giving advice um and you know what she's telling them and what she hopes they do but uh she's not saying she's making them do that um, and so, uh, so I think a little bit of a, a little bit of a bias there in the reporting. Uh, but of course, uh, not a left or right issue here, particularly, um, that I've seen anyway, being everything gets debated, but I haven't seen this one. Uh, but, it, but this story matters, I think, cause you know, as Christians and as Christian parents, I mean, is there anything really more important than a marrying someone with your shared values as a believer and B hoping and praying the same for your kids? Uh, that not only do they believe, but that their future spouse believes as well. Uh, and it's a good reminder. I have young kids. Mine are 16 and under. We have four that's 16, 12, 10. And uh, come, one's turning six on Friday here. So, um, but we've, my wife and I have prayed for their future spouses. So, you know, we know God's raising them up. And so we're in prayer for that. And I would encourage you all to do the, to do the same. I think it's something that's uh, easy to kind of overlook. Um, but you know, whether we want to admit it or not, how you believe and what you believe and how you see the world is going to impact every area of your life. Um, you know, the secular world doesn't see it that way. They don't see it the same way. They just think, ah, you know, live your truth. Whatever your truth is, that's the best version of you. That's what, what matters. Um, but there's obviously going to be all kinds of decisions that need to be made down the line. And uh, if you're not seeing the world the same way, um, you know, there's a really good chance you're going to have problems. And, uh, and that's, I mean, that's just a secondary reason why not to do it. Obviously, as a Christian, you know, you want to, you know, you want to be, uh, 
you know, doing life with somebody who values things the same way that you value them and ultimately the way that God values them. So, so some good advice there by Candace Cameron uh, uh, Bure. And that is all the time that we have for our podcast uh, today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for checking it out. Um, as always, you can head on over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. Uh, we will be back here tomorrow uh, for the 4 and 3 podcast. You can follow us on iTunes. I think if you just Google 4 and 3, it should come up. Uh, but we're there. You can follow us on social media as well and over at faithwire.com slash podcast. God bless. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow.